0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our honor and privilege to have your company as we continue to explore together a series that we've titled The Holiness Movement. And The Holiness Movement is a series, actually multiple series, there's three series in one, and the premise of this Overall series is to communicate the brand of Christianity, that we believe Jesus lived, he died and rose again and gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live that way on earth. Really, from Genesis to Revelation, God repeatedly invited His followers to live the same image that He created us to bear. To have our identity associated with His nature and our lives resembling his character. And in this series, we looked at three primary sections. And the first one, we looked at nine sessions about the foundations of pursuing holiness, Christ-like life, the character of God manifested in us so that we could be holy just as our Father in heaven is holy. And uh, then we looked at our failure to pursuing uh, this life that God intended for us and various warnings throughout the scripture about starting a, a spiritual life that is not founded on the Word of God that misses the point of receiving Jesus and revealing Jesus. It's an unbalanced type of Christianity. And today we begin our exploration of that final segment and that is factors in growing towards our Christ likeness or pursuing holiness and uh, really honestly if you have been a follower of Jesus for some time or even if you're just a brand new Christian something within you wants to live your full potential in Christ you want to pursue the dreams and the goals and the aspirations that God has for your life And many Christians who have begun a walk with Jesus have begun so enthusiastically. They embraced the Word of God. They followed after His instructions. They mingled with His family. They pursued His mission for their lives. But somehow over a period of time, many Christians feel stale and feel stuck. And sometimes they lose the momentum that was once there in a Hard, and many maybe just live life day to day as if they never encountered Christ before. They have the theological understanding, but not the practical expressions of their new life in Jesus. And you probably wonder why do people, uh, you know, have these attitudes towards the, their spiritual development? And um, and we probably could summarize it in three categories. Some people uh, miss out. Out on this invigoration and enthusiasm to pursue Christ's likeness is because they don't have a clear goal about the spiritual path that God has uh, prepared for them. They are lacking clarity of goals, so they feel a bit stuck. Yes, they've begun a walk with Jesus, but they don't know what's next. What's the end goal? Like, where is the finishing line? Okay, we've uh, raised the hand, we've made a decision, maybe even repented of our independence of God. But what is God's expectations uh, for our future? Others of us, they do not progress in the in journey of development because we're confused. It's like, okay, I know that I need to grow and develop and, and reach maturity and, and and be everything that God designed uh, me to be and and desires me uh, to, 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 to do in life. And But we just lack a proven methodology. We don't know what is the strategy to do that. So we, we basically keep repeating, we feel like we keep repeating the activities that we first begun uh, in our walk with Jesus. Uh, we just say, okay, read more, uh, you know, study more, pray more, do more, and engage in more activities in the church. And we have evident research such as the REVEAL project that was conducted in the U- USA involving 11,000 uh, surveys and over 100 different interviews with Christians in churches. And they they, they found that uh, religious activities or uh, Christian activities in the church do not predict Or sustain long term spiritual development. So people can feel confused that they're doing so much, but they don't necessarily notice a spiritual development in their own character. And walk with Jesus. Others of us are stuck or stagnant because we don't have the drive, we don't have the energy, we don't have the motivation to keep on going day after day after day because how many of us know that our Christian journey is more of a marathon than it is a sprint? So, during this series, our hope and our goal for you that you would realize and maybe just be refreshed with or be reminded with some of the factors that you've already known initially or maybe just newly coming to grasp uh, these factors that will enable you to grow and develop Pursue holiness and live out the Jesus-like character that was deposited in you. Because as we said throughout this series, God created us to have that nature, His very nature, to have that divine capabilities, potentiality on the inside of us. And as Jesus died and rose again, He sent us the Holy Spirit so that we could actually uh, experience that divine nature on the inside of us, have the capabilities of of living out the character of Christ. But then he's calling us to participate in that endeavor, to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. So in order to do that and live our potentiality in our actual day-to-day actions, we need some factors to enable us to do that. And all of us, uh, in whatever endeavor we we've got in life we recognize that we can start something so strongly but our motivation can wane or our 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 ideas of our method and a strategy to do this better can get confusing or maybe even we lose sight of the goal or uh, you know we change the goal post so um, we, we we all know what that is like even in the first in the, in the most significant. significant. Significant areas of our passions Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I personally ca- recall a time when I was a, a child back in Egypt uh, as a primary uh, school and a, and a teenager, uh, a primary school student and a teenager in Egypt. I was so fired up about soccer. You know, you get these dreams that one day you're going to play professionally for a district or even for your country, whatever it might be. And we practiced, uh, you know, and trained for prolonged periods of time every day, particularly during our summer vacation. And I recall that early, as soon as we started our our summer holiday, school holiday, we will begin to train to uh, represent, uh, you know, in my case, our church uh, soccer team that competed throughout the summer period with other soccer clubs and, and, and other churches. And we spent several weeks early in the season training hard, so that on the audition, if you like, we get selected and uh, and and keep going, whether we, you know, team A, team B, team C, whatever it might be. But we were so fired up about representing our church in the district. And uh, once we got selected. Uh, We would still train from 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.15 in the morning, up until, you know, in the early hours of the afternoon, we'll come back at night and play more. and, And we had some amazing volunteer coaches that would invest so much time in us. But I noticed, and you probably would have guessed it, that after being selected a week or two or three, some of our energy and our enthusiasm and our effort will wane a little bit. Until uh, every now and again, in the, in a the building, the tall building that was uh, overlooking our soccer ground, had several young families, and some of these young families had uh, good-looking teenage girls uh, that would look uh, through the windows or or stand in their balconies. They had nothing better to do, I imagine, and they you know you know wasted some time watching the soccer crazy teenagers playing soccer on uh, in. in the club and and I th- kid you not once you know any one of the boys would notice the, the one of the girls looking down the energy levels just went another level isn't it funny all of the sudden everybody's playing hard endeavoring to be their best and regardless of the motivation if you practice hard enough you get better so it was a blessing in disguise somehow but isn't that the case with us spiritually you know when we get selected. Whether we make a decision for Jesus or the day of our baptism, everybody's wearing the Jesus team t-shirt and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And and over a period of time, somehow uh, we'll lose sight of our endeavors and we'll miss the point of our motivation. So is there a way for Jesus lovers, not just to begin enthusiastically, but finish well? and be sustained throughout the journey of the development towards Christ-likeness. Well, today I just want to give a brief introduction that will set us up for all the factors that will enable us to start well and be sustained in our journey for Jesus. And I want to mention the most amazing athlete that the New Testament, a spiritual athlete that is, that the New Testament presents to us his name is Paul. And in this brief time we have together, I want to share with you his secret of not merely starting well, but working hard, developing over the, the, the journey over his race and finishing incredibly well, you're probably aware of the name Paul. He was a Jewish uh, upcoming star. Like the Jewish nation were awaiting you know, this particular young guy who's going to become a rabbi. He was being trained under uh, the leadership, the discipleship of Gamaliel, a a very esteemed teacher. And Paul excelled in his Jewish endeavors. He was so well-known. He was strict Pharisee. They were the strictest sect. He was, as he would say, that he followed and observed the law. And in that sense, he was, you know, to the external uh, obedience and observance of the law, he was almost faultless. He was excelling in his religious endeavor in, in terms of, of moral and, and religious development. And uh, one day he was uh, persecuting the, the new sect, the Christian sect, the Jesus people. And not only was he uh, satisfied with persecuting them uh, in Jerusalem, he wanted to go all the way to Damascus and select and pick and imprison. Uh Uh, those people that declared their affiliation and allegiance uh, to Jesus. And on the way to Damascus, he was hit. He was struck by the vision of Jesus appearing to him. He he fell off his horses. He encountered the majesty and the glory of Jesus, and his life was never the same again. This is the day where he wore his Jesus team t-shirt. But in those times, it was dangerous to be on Jesus' side. So Paul, who was once persecuting the faith, became a promoter of the faith and suffered persecution because of this transformation. He just went around teaching uh, you know about Jesus the good news of Jesus he endured uh, hardship from even the uh, Jews and, and 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 the pagans he endured imprisonment He's, he was he was flogged he was he was hungry he was beaten and uh, and and he just uh, was an incredible fire doing everything he can to bring about the honor for uh, of Jesus to the Gentile, the people who are not of Jewish background uh, faith. Uh, he excelled in every way. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, one of the uh, things that he's done, he would go to uh, regions and set little communities or little churches and he would leave them. One of these regions was a, 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 a city by the name of, uh, of Philippi. And, uh, and, and uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was like Rome away from Rome. And they were given significant rights. It was a, a wonderful area for, for people to live. And Paul visited them. And he encountered a small group of people who were in a prayer gathering, if you like. And uh, you probably are familiar with, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you know of the New Testament, of the conversion of Lydia in Philippi and uh, and established a new group of Jesus followers that was just a significant transformation that Paul was 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 and Silas were persecuted as a result of that they were placed in prison but they were singing all night long you know feeling so blessed that they were persecuted for the sake of Jesus and supernaturally there is a miraculous intervention uh, that even brings the jailer to accept and follow uh, the way of Jesus through Paul's uh, preaching of the good news and uh, and after a while Paul leaves uh, th- that city and goes about his business uh, you know seeking others that don't know Jesus after um, uh, several years of of you know reaching out being cast out of different cities he was imprisoned several times And one of those times he was imprisoned in Rome. Maybe he was in a rented house for a couple of years, but he was still under uh, under imprisonment. And out of that place experiencing significant hardship and suffering uh, b- because of his imprisonment as well as because of the attack of some Christians and and, and some, some Jewish background believers who were opposing his views particularly concerning the righteousness that comes that we are made right because of Christ that we, we are right with God as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. There were those Jewizers who wanted people to become Jews before that they live out uh, the, the 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 faith and the message of Jesus. So Paul writes to the church in Philippi, maybe around the year 60 or so. And it's a very personal letter. It has 100 different uh, usages of the first pronoun. That church was a loyal church and and has been loyal for decades now. Uh, and, And they even sent a care gift to Paul in his imprisonment. And Paul writes to them from the prison in Rome and Believe it or not the big theme of of, of that book is joy it's uh, the word joy or it's derivative is used 16 times in that small letter it was about the whole letter is about speaking about the message of Jesus, the gospel, and about the unity of the faith based on that gospel. speaking about suffering, even the suffering that Paul is experiencing. He shares that with them, and he speaks about Jesus's own suffering in an incredible passage in Philippians chapter 2, inviting the church to adopt the same mind that is in Christ, to be united, to serve one another, to suffer for the sake of Jesus, and gives examples of his travel companions and then comes to chapter 3 and he attacks the Judizers that are trying to boast about their own performances and in that way Paul begins to give an autobiography about his life, his past, his uh, present and his future, his, uh, some commentators say that Paul then gives his driving motive in life. The reason why he keeps doing what he is doing, though it might have been 20 or 30 years uh, since he had this encounter with Jesus, and now he's still Progressing and developing just as motivated, just as enthusiastic, just as fired up. This man knows how to run a marathon he is an athlete and he uses that metaphor to describe his incredible uh, motivation in life about developing and becoming everything God desires him to be let's have a brief look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 he says if someone else is so speaking about the Judaizers think they have reason to put confidence in the flesh the flesh means um, you know a person apart from Christ like a normal nature, our normal sinful nature that we inherited uh, from our forefather and um, and the reality is those Judaizers were depending on their abilities to merit God's love and favor by how they live, by their adherence their performances that are according to the standards of the law uh, and, uh, and Paul says if they think they are it and a bit I want to say that I have more reason to have confidence in my own performances I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of Hebrew in regard to the law a Pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law absolutely here goes and he says that he perceived himself to be faultless, like he's done everything he possibly can to keep the standards and the regulation of the Jewish law. You know what he's saying? I have done everything I can to merit my life or my acceptance uh, with God. But he says, but whatever we gains, and the word gains here is uh, pruler, saying I've calculated everything that I've accomplished, everything that I've been, everything that I've done. And I consider, and the word consider is assess or evaluate, I consider all of them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for His sake I have lost all things. And I consider them rubbish or garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes, and I would dare say that comes freely from God on the basis of faith. Paul is saying, listen, I want to say once for all, you can be made right with God by depending fully on Christ, His substitutionary death. He took our sins and gave us His righteousness. He paid for our sin. He imputed to us His holiness, His righteousness. So if you marry a rich person by union, you become rich yourself. And because we are united to Christ, the righteous one, we are made righteous. He was made sinful for us that we may be made the righteousness of God in him and Paul here expressing that he was made right with God freely but that right standing with God did not prevent Paul from going further into living out that righteous lifestyle. In fact, we see in that little quote here is that he compares everything that he had in the past to what he, the excellence of Jesus now, and he said in a prophet and lost statement, "I've lost everything." And then he says, I count them as garbage. The actual word garbage is dung, is, is, is worse than rubbish, but it's rubbish you want to get rid of. A loss you sadly let go of a loss But Paul is saying I have seen progress in my life That which I once counted loss For the sake of Jesus I'm now so happy that I got rid of it I don't want to live in a garbage tip I was so happy to get rid of it There was progress in Paul's knowledge of Jesus already But he's saying But I want to know Christ Yes To know the power of His resurrection And participation in His sufferings Becoming lost like came in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul saying, I have enjoyed Christ and the surpassing knowledge of him but I want more. I'm looking for more. Why? Because he knows that this is eternal life, that they may know you and your son, Jesus, that you sent into the world. In, in John chapter 17, we hear that in Jesus's high priestly prayer. Knowledge here is not cognitive knowledge. It's personal, it's practical, it's union, it's understanding that impacts our life with our joining of ourselves to Christ and when he says knowing Christ uh, and the power of his resurrection and suffering he's not talking about three different things he's talking about the one thing the power that comes from loving Christ and living wholeheartedly for him the power of the resurrection that now is given to us but that involves us dying to self that involves us experiencing suffering in different ways big ways and small ways in that way Paul describes himself as an athlete look at what he says not that I have attained or obtained or already obtained or apprehended all this or have already arrived to my goal or perfection but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it can you believe that Paul who's accomplished everything that we could have possibly put on our wish list as growing disciples of Jesus. He's done this, been there, done that. And then he says, but I'm not complacent. Not that I've already obtained. Why Paul? It says, because the standard, the goal is perfection, is being more like Christ. Be perfect, mature, just like your heavenly father is perfect this is the call he's saying i'll never reach that but that drives me to get there that drives me to get there so he was not complacent the first thing that paul did in order to pursue is a re- recognition that he hasn't arrived he hasn't been there but says but one thing and the, in the original there's no i do it says one thing that's my soul focus that's my devotion that's my wholehearted commitment forgetting what lies behind is straining toward what is ahead Like it's one thing that is that that is two sides of the same coin i'm not going to be limited by my past good bad or ugly i'm going to break free from my past i'm going to strain forward to the goal that christ has taken hold of me the reason why he saved me is to make me like Christ and I want to take hold of that. I want to live that perfection. I want to live out my future self in the present regardless of how distorted my abilities to do that. But by the power of the Spirit, I'm going to forget and I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to exert effort. It says, I press on toward the goal. The goal here is Christ-likeness, is being like Christ, which is going to be made perfect in heaven, heavenward calling, but here is lived great. Gradually on earth, and the word "press" includes the idea of vigorous effort. It's the same word in verse six that that described and translated as persecuted or persecute. So the same energy invested in persecuting the church, he now wants to invest in becoming more like Jesus. So Paul uh, lived out fully for Christ, and now he wants to make that for everybody else to live out in the same way what he is lived out so in Philippians 3 15 to 17 he says all of us it's normative now not just Paul then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul in that very simple uh, paragraph is summarizing some of the factors that will enable us to live the same way he lived and pursued God. He's speaking about a pattern, such a view, such a framework. And he speaks of God's role to empower us with the power of the resurrection so we can live by his abilities and also to reveal to us when we get it wrong. He speaks of the community, of the, 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 the discipling community that led us he keeps talking about all of us let us live follow my example those who live as we do he also includes himself as a pattern as an example a model as a discipler and this is the reality that in order to grow and pursue our God likeness our Jesus likeness to live holy lives we need God with his amazing resources we need a community a discipling community that will journey with us but we also have a role to play just like Paul said follow my example here put the energy put the effort just like he said I forget and I press on he's asking people to follow that example and exert the effort vigorous effort to reach our God-given goal to be Christ-likeness because we all know that God's call for Christians is not just to go to heaven but to live Christ-like on earth. And this is exactly the factors that we're gonna look at over the next little while. We're gonna look at the factors that enable us to live Christ like life on earth. We pray that you would stick with us as we pursue each one of those seven factors and together may by the power of the Spirit, the support of a community and by your investment in what God has called you to be and do we will grow to be more like Jesus for the glory of God and the good of people around us. Thank you so much for being with us. We are so blessed and honored to have your company and looking forward to seeing you in our next episode. Until then, be utterly blessed in Jesus.